What's up? Um, this is the uh-oh feeling. I'm Taylor. Call me Ishmael. Oh, okay. Do I have to? I mean, it'd be helpful for, like, when I talk about my thing. Are you... Uh, okay. <laughs> Are you doing Moby Dick? <laughs> I'm doing... Not not Moby Dick. Oh, okay. Um, sweet. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I guess <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, it was I don't a know very traumatic researching experience oh in my, my life. Oh my god, me too. So <laughs> it was it was your idea. Um, yeah, and to, I regretted it immediately. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it was Emily's idea to do um, survivor stories. Um, that have been made into like big works of fiction, whether they're like books or movies, yeah. right? Um, so I, yeah, I was gonna do the Revenant because bears, because bears, of course. But then that call me Ishmael joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was what really tipped you over the edge. It was. I was like, oh my god, I can say call me Ishmael and it'll make sense and it's not gonna be a weird thing, right? So on the like, on the vaguest of terms, I understand that. There is a story that that book comes from. Oh, yeah. But that's all I know. And it's way more fucked up oh my God. than the book. You know, Moby Dick is sitting on my sh- shelf right now, right over here. I've never read it, but it's one of my books that I need to read. And yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe after I read the, hear this story, I'm not going to want to. It has 135 chapters. Oh, holy so, balls. Um, just be prepared for that if you do decide to read it. Also, what happens... In the actual story, I don't think a chunk of it makes it into the book. I don't mm. remember there being you cannibalism mean, yeah. in Moby Dick. I Just don't recall people talking about it, if the there was. The hunt for the big white whale. Right. See, now here's another fun thing. <laughs> we were like, let's do a weird one. And usually Woo. to us, that means kind of fun and odd. <laughs> Turns out, unbeknownst to both of us, we figured this out five minutes ago when Emily walked in. We both have cannibalism in our stories. We do. She doesn't know my story, like, much. I described a little bit of what it is, and she's like, I haven't heard of that, and I don't know the story of this ship and the whale. So the fact that we both managed to shove cannibalism into this ep at the same time... It means we need to do a Hannibal marathon again soon. It so does. That's... That's obviously what it means. It's seeping into our real lives. It is. And uh, we have to take care of it before it's it gets... literally bleeding into our lives. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> You're oh welcome. Oh, my God. Um. So, yeah, we're sitting here. We're at my house this time. Mm-hmm. And, Emily, you brought over a very special wine. I did. I brought over a bottle of 19 Crimes. 19 the Crimes. Uprising. The Uprising, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's like a special kind. It's, yeah. I know they have like a couple a different... like a red blend. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I like it so the dude far. Talked for us. It was a lot longer than expected. Yeah. Um. So first of all, we should say we are in no way we don't make money from Nineteen Crimes. No, uh, I paid money for Nineteen right. Crimes. <laughs> I super wish we got paid. Um, That'd be sweet. Yeah, Nineteen Crimes. Looking right at you, because uh, I feel like we should drink this whenever we do this podcast. I just yeah. feel like it should be a thing. With how much we derail and talk about other shit, we might as well just have ads because we really should. Honestly, honestly. let's get something out of this. Okay. <laughs> Doing our best. How about that's our that's our podcast goal for the year. Doing our best. <laughs> we we do box. our best and we get a box. <laughs> <laughs> well, we traumatize ourselves. Yeah, you guys. 
I hope you realize what I did for all of you. I, a person who vehemently hates animal movies and all <laughs> things animal related um, in terms of like sad and violent things. So I tend to avoid it like the plague. Sure. Because there was a lot of the fox and the hound. Oh my God. Black beauty. Mm-hmm. Old yeller. Why do movies? White wolf. Yeah. Whatever the hell that book was called. Oh yeah. Um, there's a lot of ones like that. Yeah. I was highly traumatized as a child. Why is it that things that are meant for children so often involve animal death? I don't know. What the fuck is wrong the with these people? baby can go fuck an egg. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel right now. Yup. I had to read some things about whaling in order to get context. That's bad. 19th century whaling, you guys. Oh, God. Way it's, worse than today whaling, I bet. <laughs> Uh, Although, actually, I don't know, because whaling's pretty hideous. It's pretty hideous, no matter how you uh, right. do it, Ugh. just with more technology, I guess. I mean, Sonar. I... Sonar. Yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> you just find more whales I so you can stab I didn't them. research modern whaling, so there's, there's some things that I don't Google image. I can't imagine that that was any fun. Um... So yeah, we always do this where like we end up talking about like we'll end up talking about the second story <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> whoops, uh, there's your like spoiler for stick around to the second story. Yeah. Cannibalism. Cause, More cause cannibalism. cannibalism. Yeah, because you will have already heard about some cannibalism by that point. Um, we're very good at this is what I'm saying. We pick a theme and we stick to it even when we don't know. We, we don't did. talk about the theme. Yep. It's a uh, surprise. <laughs> For everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, literally everyone. Um, so I'm gonna go first. Yeah. And I am going to tell you a story mm. about the flight. I want to be about able to Concords? say this correct. The, not the flight of the Concords, although I have been rewatching that. <laughs> <laughs> um Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571. Okay. Um now if anybody ends up recognizing the story, it is because there is uh, a movie out based on a book that had a bunch of survivor accounts in it called Alive. The movie is from like 1993, I think. So um, not a lot of the actors that were around then are around now still, but you might recognize some of them and I super want to watch the movie, but that's where I got mine from. And I just like, I, when you mentioned what our theme was going to be, I was like, Oh, I know. Only because I, I know. Yeah. Only because I kind of knew what was going on. Like, I, I, I think I just sort of read maybe a cracked article that kind of doesn't delve sure. very deep into it. But I was like, oh, shit. I yeah. know exactly what I'll do. Google is so, a powerful tool. I know, right? I did actually find a lot of different things on this one. So that nice. was cool. Um, So this Air Force Flight 571, it is from Uruguay. And this incident happened on October 13th, 1972. So a lot of the people who survived it are still alive. In fact, almost all of them. Crazy. Yeah. Mine aren't. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that'd be fucked. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you might, you might understand from the fact that I mentioned a plane that this is about a plane crash. But it's not just about a plane crash. Is there a crocodile? There's not a crocodile, unfortunately. Damn. Okay. There, there, there is a, a mountain, and there is some <laughs> very snow. similar to a crocodile. Yeah, super, super. I don't know if you know this, but crocodiles are only like like tiny two chromosomes mountains. off from a mountain. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. A little bit of background. Um, Uruguayan Air Force Flight Five Seven One was chartered to take the Old Christians Club Rugby Union Team 
of Montevideo, Uruguay, um, to play a match in Chile. And there were 45 people aboard, including the pilots, the crew, the rugby team itself, and then some of their, like, family members and other necessary personnel. So the day before the incident, uh, the plane had been forced to make an unscheduled stop in Mendoza, Argentina, due to the weather, because they had to fly over the Andes Mountains. It's interesting that you say Chile. Hmm. My story also involves a trip gone wrong in an attempt to get to Chile. Are you fucking serious? I am. How are we doing this right now? I don't know. It's like we're almost too good. We spend (laughs) too much time together. I I seriously can't believe that we have so much stuff that is happening to be in common super fucking weird. Yeah. Um, So yeah, they're trying to get to Chile. Their plane is grounded on the first day of the flight because of weather because they have to pass over the Andes Mountains and there's no visibility. Yeah. So the next day, they have to do some sort of fancy-ass maneuvering to get over the mountains and into Chile. The visibility is still not great, but they have to get there, and they think, well, we'll just find a low part of the mountains to make sure, like, we're flying low enough we can still see. Like, the visibility gets worse as you go higher. So... That seems bad. <laughs> um, you know, it's not a great sitch. Yeah. Um, I've set the background, and now here are our survivors. Hmm. I mentioned that there were 45 people aboard. Um, 16 of them survive, which is... Kind of a lot. Yeah. yeah. For for a plane crash crash in the mountains. Um, But I'm going to focus on two of them specifically. Their names are Fernando Parado, who goes by Nando. And I'm going to call him that because it sounds like Lando and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Roberto Canessa. Um, So both these guys have written books about their experience, actually, which is why I like found a lot of info because people did a lot of interviews with them and they have a lot of firsthand accounts and stuff, which is awesome. So... So they're flying over the Andes Mountains, <laughs> and okay. the visibility is not great. Yeah. And something goes wrong. Of course. Do you want to guess what happened? They done did crash. They done did crash right into the side of a mountain. Because the visibility wasn't that great. <laughs> not great. And they're trying to go over some fucking mountains. Also, Surprise Mountain is not really the best way to go. Uh, Surprise Mountain might be the worst way to go, if I'm yeah. really honest. Yeah. Um, so this is a quote from Roberto about his experience during the actual plane crash. The pilot had made a huge mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Roberto. Hmm. Um, he'd turned north and begun to, uh, his descent into Santiago while the aircraft was still in the high Andes. So he started descending way too early. He began to climb when he realized his mistake. Yeah. Until the plane was nearly vertical and began to stall and shake. Yeah, because planes don't go that way. No, they super don't go that way. That's not how they go. They go horizontal, mm-hmm. uh, and that's it. Um, then we smashed into the side of the mountain. I was thrown forward with tremendous force and received a powerful blow to my head. I thought, you're dead. I gra- <laughs> like. I love his first thoughts, like, nah, you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> you fucked, son. This is a survivor of this whole th- situation, and he's like, immediately thought he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> I grabbed my seat and recited a Hail Mary. Everyone is Roman Catholic, just an FYI. Um, Someone cried out, please, God, help me, help me. It was the worst nightmare you can imagine. Another boy was screaming, I'm blind. When he moved his head, I could see his brain and a piece of metal sticking out of his stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he survived. Uh, No, he he done did not. Yeah. I don't even know that boy's name, unfortunately. Um... In reality, so they did smash into the mountain, but not nose first. Since they were vertical, they sort of clipped it. It took off the whole right wing and then eventually the whole left wing. And so just the fuselage 
comes crashing down. First, they lose the back end of the plane. It's just like Lost, if you've ever seen the first episode of Lost. They lose the w- both wings, and then the back half of the plane breaks off, and the front half smashes into the island. It's exactly like that. <laughs> like, super fucked up. All right, so Lost did some research on plane crashes. Probably, my dude, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you have seen that episode, it, it fucked me right up. I was yeah. not expecting yeah. to see that graphic yeah. thing. From, like, six different people's point of view. <laughs> yeah, that's where it gets really... Over and over and over. Um, so, obviously, this brought the plane down really quick, and they came to rest in a snowbank on the side of a mountain. So, again, 45 people on board to begin with. 12 people died as a result of the crash, either immediately or, like, shortly after, within, like, 24 hours yeah. of their injuries. Some people were injured, and then they held on for a while. Uh, five more people died by the morning, and then one held on until the eighth day before dying, who was injured since the plane crash. Now, Nando Parado, one of our survivors, was 21 years old. See, these are like college students. They're in a college rugby league. Roberto Canessa was 19. Um, Nando lost both his mother and his best friend in the crash. They died immediately. Yeah. His sister is the one who held on for eight days. So he spent eight days trying to take care of her, and she sort of quietly passed away eventually from her injuries. So they are two of the 27 people left after sort of all is said and done, people who are not so injured that they're in immediate risk of death. Um, And they are stranded at high altitude on a snow-covered mountain. And let's go over maybe some of the things that they should have had that they super didn't have that would have been helpful. Oh, God. Warm clothing. Yeah. I mean, they are from Uruguay. Yeah, they're... Headed to Chile by way of Argentina. Yeah. (laughs) They're, like, prepped for warm weather. Right. I mean, the mountains is the only cold part of any of this area, really, and they are headed to a game that's, like, it's supposed to be a day trip, you know? So they have no warm clothing. They have no appropriate footwear. They have no goggles to prevent snow blindness, which is totally a thing. It totally is, and it sucks, and you don't... Yeah. Want to experience that. It's bright as fuck when the sun shines off a bunch of snow, just an FYI. All day, every day, your eyes. Yep, and it can lead to serious damage. Yes. That's irreversible. Yes. Um, And they also didn't have any medical supplies. And they also didn't really have any food or water. So, to be clear, okay, they had a bit of food. Chocolate bars, snacks, and a bunch of wine. (laughs) Just, like, so much wine. (laughs) All right, so just get drunk. Right. And get drunk and wait to die. Basically. Might be me, honestly. Yeah? Um, Yeah. These these guys did not do that. I'm so proud of them. Um, They did devise a way pretty early on to melt snow onto a piece of, like, aluminum that they had taken from one of the seats. And then that would drip into the wine bottles. So that's how they had water. But they had to empty that wine bottle first. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if... Because it doesn't say if they dumped it into the snow or if they drank that shit. No, they definitely drank that shit. I'd be like, yeah, I only have a bit of a concussion, so I'm going to go ahead and get wasted for this first night. Fuck it. (laughs) Bye-bye. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I like to think that they were probably a little more pragmatic than that, uh, but I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'm not sure. 21, 19. Yeah, True. So, in the first week following the crash, oh, I should have mentioned, do you want to guess how long that they were on this mountain? 84 years. Okay, um, take the years and turn it into days and then only bring that down by a little bit. 80, 
days. 72 days. Oh my God. I mean, seriously, that is such a long time. I kept thinking of like Salvador was on the sea for like 470 days, but he had fish to eat and birds and shit and turtles. <laughs> and <laughs> turtles. These people, are, there's no vegetation. They're way too up high up in the mountain well, for there yeah, to even be trees. It's the mountain. Yeah, it's a mountain. There's nothing. So they're there for 72 days. Within the first week following the crash, they like they went on little short expeditions sort of around the plane just to see like if there's any they can find anything, any paths, any sign that there are people anywhere around here, any like anything. Just like stuff to eat, nothing. There's nothing. A combination of dehydration, snow blindness, altitude sickness and the extreme cold because it was summer but like at night didn't matter. Oh yeah, no. Like freezing. Mountain. Um it made it impossible to travel very far from the fuselage. Um, they did some pretty ingenious stuff to survive, which I thought was pretty cool. Like, they um, ripped apart, like, every airplane seat and took the woolen fabric from inside the, the seats and used them for blankets. Okay. Um, they used the bottom of the seats as snowshoes. <laughs> and they built, like, they managed to find enough stuff to build hammocks for the injured people who had, like, broken legs and stuff. Um, they all lived inside this fuselage together and they blocked the wind at the opening at the back of the plane with mm-hmm. like all the luggage they could find. And they peed into rugby balls, which is fun. Cause apparently like sucks when your pee freezes as soon as it leaves your body. So they figured out how to not have that happen. Oh God. Quote <laughs> oh. from Roberto. Uh, you get very smart when you're dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Roberto. Yeah. He's such a fun guy. Um, (laughs) So for the first eight days, the Chilean, Argentinian, and Uruguayan governments sent planes in search of the survivors. Because they all knew that this plane was supposed to make it to a certain place and it never got there. Um, So again, for eight days, they're searching. But the plane that crashed is white. And the snow is white. And it's V-bad. And they can't see it at all. Um, the survivors even tried to write an SOS on the top of the plane using lipstick they found. Oh. Because they're awesome. Um, but there was not enough lipstick to make it even near visible from the air. So they gave yeah. up. Yeah. And the search was called off after eight days. Because there was just... They well, couldn't see. Yeah. And the assumption would be pretty fair that no one would have survived after eight days in the wilderness of the mountains. Mm-hmm. With nothing. But, like, to me, the worst thing... Worse than believing that there might be somebody coming for you when they're not is knowing that they're not coming for you anymore. That'll screw with your head. Uh Uh-huh. And that happened. Um, so So the crashed plane had a little transistor radio and it only received messages. Like they didn't have enough battery power to send a message to anybody. They didn't know like what frequency to use. So they were receiving these messages of other planes talking to each other overhead. And on the 11th day, the survivors overheard that the search had been called off. And naturally, this went over very poorly. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, everybody started sobbing and praying. And I just want to mention this one kid. His name was Gustavo Nikolic. Uh, uh, He was nicknamed Coco. Because adorbs. Um, And this comes from the book called Alive, the story of the Andy survivors. And Coco overheard the message and he goes, Hey, boys, (laughs) there's some good news. We just heard it on the radio. They've called off the search. Inside the crowded aircraft, there was silence. As the hopelessness of their predicament enveloped them, they wept. Why is this good news? A man named Pius shouted angrily at Nikolic. 
because it means, Nikolich said, that we're going to get out of here on our own. The courage of this one boy prevented a flood of total despair. Oh my god. So, like, he was kind of like, I mean, he was a kid, and he was probably being completely out of his mind, like, too confident. We got this, you guys. Right. We got this. We're just gonna do this ourselves. It's fine. But we talk all the time about that survival mentality thing, and he clearly had it, at least at that point, where he's like, you know what, fuck this. We'll fix it ourselves. We don't even need them. Like, he did his best. Um, I'm proud of him. So... Let's take a turn for a moment. Oh, God. And talk about cannibalism. Mm. First, I'm going to take a drink. Yeah. I'm really glad you're talking about cannibalism so I don't have to, like, overview. Oh, yeah. I guess. Although, I don't know why anyone needs an overview of cannibalism. Right. It's pretty clear. Now, you know, I wish, now that I think about it, I wish I had written down the term, but one of the survivors, I think it was Roberto, in one of his um, interviews said, actually, cannibalism is when you kill the person and eat them. What we did was something else. It's, it's, they're already dead. I don't know what this is really called, but it's <laughs> fucked up regardless. So there's no one coming, and they know that, and there's a bunch of dead bodies all around, and they're all huddled inside the fuselage of this plane, and they have run out of food. Frozen dead bodies, probably. Frozen as fuck dead bodies, absolutely. Yeah. So they're starving at a high altitude, which is like way worse than regular starving. Your body needs so much more energy just yeah. to maintain up yeah. there. So first they start eating parts of the plane, like leather strips and cotton from the sh- the seats and shit, like whatever, literally whatever they could eat. And it made them all super sick. Yeah. Because duh. <laughs> yeah. But I mean. Probably got a whole bunch of flame retardant shit sprayed on it. Yes. I mean, just covered in chemicals. It's yeah. It's bad. It's bad. It's real bad. So it soon became clear to them that there's really only one thing they can do. Oh they have to start eating their dead friends and like to be clear like it's their friends these are their friends and their family members and the crew members of the plane are the only people they don't know that well like but these people have been dead for days so this is a quote couple quotes one from nando okay the only food that we have are the dead bodies of our friends and the crew that's what we have and that's When you only have one option, you take one option. If you have two options, you can analyze and decide. But there's only one. It's not a mystery. It's not complicated. It's easier than you think because it's the only option. I mean, yeah, they're facing complete starvation. Like, Roberto... That is a horrible way to go. Honestly. Especially at a high altitude. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and again, like I mentioned, everybody on board is Roman Catholic. So some of them are managing to justify it to themselves by thinking of it in the way of, like, transference. Like, somebody else's body into my body sort of thing. Um, This isn't communion, you guys! You know what? You justify it however you can. Other people are having a much harder time due to their religious beliefs. Um, Including a woman, her name was Liliana Methel. She was the only woman to survive the crash. And uh, she held out the longest due to her religious beliefs. Like, she didn't eat for many days longer than everybody else. and But eventually, everyone did it. Everybody gave in. Because there was no other fucking option. They were going to starve. This is one from Roberto. We wondered whether we were going mad even to contemplate such a thing. Had we turned into brute savages? Or was this the only sane thing to do? Truly, we were pushing the limits of our fear. So, like... They're just so afraid. Like, yeah. It's horrible. And so they made this decision collectively. Nobody was just like, well, I'm going to do it. Like they all sat around and decided they were going to do this. 
And actually, it was Roberto who ended up making the first cut because he was a medical student. And he was, like, the only one who had been handling all the dead bodies. And, like, he was like, I can do this. So he, they find, like, sharp pieces of glass, I assume, from, like, windows and wine bottles and use that. And, um, like, it super doesn't go into a lot of detail because nobody wants to talk about that. Well, yeah. But they did spend several days subsisting, not well, off of mostly frozen, raw as fuck people body. Pretty nasty. Super sorry about it. Um, (laughs) I can't even imagine, though, like, there ain't no way whatever cannibalism is happening in your story was cooked. (laughs) Like, nope. Ain't no fucking way. Well, kind of. Ooh, okay. (laughs) In the sun? Uh, I hate you. No, that's way worse. For some uh, reason, frozen and chewy is like way easier to me. Uh, <laughs> like been dried in, in the sun. sun. Yuck. Mm-hmm. So October twenty seventh, it is the sixteenth day on the mountain, an avalanche swept over Uh-oh. and through the fuselage. So they're just like, there's one guy who has a story who sees two dudes are just looking kind of glum, um, and he gets up and he goes to sit in front of them he wants to like sit between the two of them so he can talk to both of them and he just wants to make them feel better and as he's getting up he hears this rumble and just as he's settling back down it's like he's sitting down and then he looks and he realizes that the floor is no longer underneath him a pile of snow is underneath him somehow he managed to get above this avalanche as he was moving but and then sat back down on top of it and all of the friends including the ones he was trying to sit in front of are below him it happened that fast oh god this guy's probably the only reason why any of them survived because he just was on top of it and started digging immediately yeah so he found one of them and then they he would get him out of the snow and the two of them would dig for the other people and get them out of the snow um And so it's everybody in this fuselage just looking for each other and like hearing the muffled shouts under the snow of their friends. And they find a bunch of them, but six people do end up dying. Yeah. Just avalanches kill people. Yeah. This easily. Yeah. Well, and it's sad. It includes their team captain, who they all thought of as their leader, Marcelo Perez, Liliana, the last woman, and Gustavo Nikolic, Mm. who was like. Optimism so, can't save you from an avalanche. No, it cannot, my <laughs> dude. Um, a lot of luck will. Uh, and the rest of these people were very lucky and say that super openly. Um, Roberto called that the worst night of his life. And this is a person who has already endured 16 days of the worst shit I've ever heard. Oh so the remaining people survived huddled inside the snow-filled fuselage with one air hole for ventilation that they managed to poke until eventually they're able to like clear the plane out of snow and like set things out to dry. So, and that, not only that, but the long dead frozen bodies had been, they'd been using for food were outside the fuselage and they got swept away in the avalanche. Bye bye. So, Oh God. They had to eat the bodies of their newly dead to survive. Roberto. So we took yet another step into the descent towards our ultimate indignity to eat the body of the person lying next to us. Each of us would have been stained with it, with this blood if we were to keep the seed of life from withering. He's very poetic. He's also, this is Spanish, so. But, like, he just, they were like, we don't have enough, we don't have a choice. And not only that, but the first go around where they were like, we're going to eat these people. They all said, if I die, eat me. Like, and they all agreed, yes. Like, should I also die, you should use my body in this way. And so... 
when it came around to it and all they had left was people who had just died, they ate them too. <laughs> I'm going to take another drink. <laughs> I feel very traumatized right now. Mm-hmm. I'm about to get to the part where they try to get rescued, though. Because mm. these are survivor stories. Remember, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> I have to remind myself of that. Um, once yeah. an episode, at least every episode. Yeah. You're going to have to remind yourself again in a little bit. Fuck me. So, two months after the crash, Roberto, Nando, and a couple of others, like, they do a bunch of little excursions. And everybody's pitching in. Like, they let the people who are going to go on the walks not do sort of the necessary stuff around the camp just so that they can build up their strength. They give them the warmest clothes and the most food. Just so they have the energy to go looking. Um, so... They do end up finding the back half of the plane, a couple miles away from them, um, but they determine that they can't go any farther without freezing to death. Uh, every time the night falls, they're like, whoops, we are going to die. So they end up uh, bringing batteries back for the radio, which is cool. They're doing their best out there. Yeah. Um, but that super doesn't work because it turns out the batteries are alternating current and the radio needs direct current. Oops. So eventually they do set out again, and that is with the help of everybody fashioning out of, like, all the leftover blanket stuff from in the middle of the seats. All the, I called it seat meat by this oh, point. Oh, my God. <laughs> because oh I think God. I'd gone slightly insane Probably. by this part. <laughs> so they're getting all of this stuff together, trying to make it so that they have, like, this sleeping bag that they can get into when it's night so they can travel further away without freezing. Three more people die of exposure by the time they actually set out on their long excursion on December 12th. Um, so on that day, Roberto, Nando, and, and uh, Antonio Vicentin. Vicentin? He's got a cute name. It's a little weird, though. They all head out in search of rescue. They climb the highest mountain near them. And actually, they end up climbing, like, one of the highest peaks in... Argentina, which is like really weird that they're like, by the way, we're up here. I mean, they're all like mostly athletes. So right. On yeah. the upside. But they also have that. Had, they've had two months of malnourishment. So it's like, dang. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It, it did take them over a day to get up there. Like, and we, I don't know how close to the peak they already sure. were, but it was a long time. So um, they noticed they had been thinking this whole time because of something they'd heard the pilot say that they were only a few miles from the coast of chile and they were very wrong the pilot was very wrong right before the crash and so well, obviously the pilot was real dumb uh-huh yeah maybe let's not uh trust that guy but so they realized that wherever the fuck they are it is nowhere near the nice valleys of chile <laughs> um but they see sort of a path through the mountains um that they can make but they realize they're running out of food already and their trek is going to be longer than they thought so they send antonio Vincentin, uh, back to camp because they're like, we just, only two of us is, are going to make this on the amount of food we have. So bye-bye. Um, my favorite part of the story is that Vincentin, this coy motherfucker, uh, he fashioned a sled and like made it back to camp within an hour. <laughs> I Was the sled made of a dead body? Not a fucking clue. It does not say. I highly doubt they brought a dead body all the way up there, but like now I am. Know. I am picturing him just sort of surfing. On a dead body. On a corpse all yeah. the way down to camp. Like, coming in and being like, what's up, bros? He sprays snow on all of them. <laughs> oh, my God. 
You need to stop. I'm sorry. I hate this. Did, I hate that, this. did that come out of your mouth? And then you just were like, oh, God, what did I do? Whoopsie doodles. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I told you this This has driven me slowly insane. It's great. Um, but now I'm at the rescue. This Yay. is good. I actually think this part of the story is fucking nuts. It's super weird. So Roberto and Nando, just the two of them, they eventually walk down the other side of the mountain through some other fucking whatevers for a couple more days. It's just them trying not to die. They find signs of people eventually, uh, including like signs of people who had camped out paths and stuff. And eventually they stop by a, this big river and Roberto sees a man on horseback across the river and at first, Nando's like, you always see men on horseback. Like, you have been hallucinating some shit for a while now. Oh, shit. And he's like, I don't, there's nothing there. And then there's three of them. <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit, there's, I see what you mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> Those are the men on horseback. So these are arrieros. They are people who transport goods using pack animals, I guess. Yeah. So they're just up there. It's just a thing they do. That's the life they live. Um. So they start, like, waving just like trying everything they can to get these people's attention but the river is too like loud to shout over like the rushing of the river they can't hear each other across it but the man sees them and he like he sees that they look pretty desperate yeah Yeah. and fucked up and like but he, he doesn't know what they're trying to say so he shouts over to them as loud as he can tomorrow and then he leaves so these guys are just like, okay, someone has seen us. We're going to stay right here. Maybe he will be back tomorrow. Um, and that arriero goes back, ends up talking to some other arrieros who were like, you know, a couple miles from here, there, there might have been a plane crash. <laughs> I can't believe that somebody would still be alive, but like, oh. So the guy <laughs> goes back and he he's a genius. He brings with him a piece of paper and a pen and he ties it to a rock and he throws it over the river. <laughs> Can you imagine? I just imagine it like falling into the river and rushing like, away. Oh shit! Like they're they're like they're so. And then he just shrugs just, and walks away, and that's like, that. Well, I tried. Yep. <laughs> like I know. I'm like, there's so much that could have gone wrong here. So he does. He throws it over the river. Nando writes down what happened to them. Like basically, just like, oh, we fucked. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I ate my friend yesterday. Stop. <laughs> and this then is he, fucked up. Right. Please Full help. Stop. stop. <laughs> and yeah, and he wrote. He throws the rock back over. The guy gets it and reads the message, and he's just like, uh-huh. And he, I mean, he makes it clear that he's understood, and he just starts riding. He rides along the river for hours until he reaches Puerto Negro and goes to a police station. He, he also, like, sends another arriero back to find a way across the river to reach Roberto and Nando. So they are eventually picked up at that point and, like, brought to safety. Like, I think they just kind of end up hopping from tiny little town to tiny little town, people giving them food and rest and stuff, while this guy's like, search party time. So, after the police are told, a search party sends helicopters out, and fucking Nando is terrified of going back over the Andes again, as one might assume. Sure. Of course. Yeah. But his fucking badass gets back in a helicopter so that he can help them find... The wreckage. Oh, my God. I know. I'm, like, so proud of him. <sighs> the other 14 survivors were located that day, although this is really fucking shitty. Eight of them spent one more night on the mountain because the helicopter could only take six and the weather made it impossible to do a return oh. trip. So they, like, left some extra people there, like mountaineers and first aid people. 
And then they were just like, bye, we'll be back tomorrow. But I mean, at least they like left people with proper equipment, I'm yes. assuming, that could mm-hmm. set up an actual base camp. Right. So to like, get them warm and get them like exactly. some help. Yeah. Because otherwise that and last food night. that isn't people. <laughs> hey, y'all been eating these people. Don't worry about it. <laughs> hey, don't, uh, don't look over there. Are these just like people with like hunks out of them stop looking oh my god what did i just say (laughs) did you bury hunks of people in the snow no are these people steaks yes (laughs) (laughs) so look i'm just saying that was probably a weird night (laughs) yeah 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 that's probably pretty quiet um yeah among other things quiet and uh sad and gross but eventually, all 14 people were rescued um, and taken to a hospital in Santiago, Chile. Um, and this happened on, I want to say, uh, December 22nd, they were rescued. And um, which was the really cute thing is that all of them had recovered enough to be released by Christmas Eve. Aww. So, yeah, like some of them were in other places by then, like um, Nando and Roberto had been getting better for a while so they were with their families already but the other ones celebrated christmas eve together like in santiago that year Well, i mean like eating people brings you closer together i mean literally though like yes like like that's a shared experience that not many people have yeah like they yeah so actually this is how close they are one survivor um since this has died like of cancer in 2015 his name was javier methal his wife is liliana the woman who died um, and he died of age at age 79. Like he mm. was a, you know, an old motherfucker, you know? Yeah. Um, but the other 15 survivors are still alive and they meet every year on December 22nd to celebrate their second lives. Like, yeah, uh, it's so cute. They remain good friends and are closely protective of one another. Well, That's sure. just what it said. Like, of course. I mean, you go through that kind of shit. Seriously. You are going to look out for the people you were with. Forever. Yeah. yeah. Like you're never getting over that. Um, Nando published a memoir of the experience in 2006 titled Miracles on the Andes, 72 Days on the Mountain and My Long Trek Home. Um, and he went on to race cars and is like now a successful business owner. He basically was like, I stopped, uh, caring about not about anything but doing and saying what I want because like, (laughs) he's not a dick. He's just like, why would I waste my time? Yeah. I almost died. Um, Roberto published a book in 2016 called I Had to Survive, and he is today one of Uruguay's leading pediatric cardiologists. Aww. Yeah, like, he saves children's lives, and, like, the book is about, like, why his experience has led him to this career. It's fucking cool. And then, like I mentioned, out of a separate story told, um, with Tales from the Survivors, um, there was a movie in 1993 called Alive that I'm totally gonna watch. I have a couple of end quotes for you. Okay. Just some food for thought. Oh, poor word choice. Just shut the fuck up. Oh my God. I didn't even think yeah. about it. Do yeah. Think, do you think they ate brains? Anyway, I hate myself. Um, <laughs> this is going to let that oh one my, go. Yep. I am too. <laughs> this is a quote from Nando. In a survival situation of this magnitude, nothing gets better. Nothing gets better. Everything gets worse and worse and worse and worse until you die or are rescued or you rescue yourself. You're afraid until you die. He adds, it's not a romantic thing. It's not an adventure with a good ending. It's not an adventure. It's hell. 
And it was like fucking crazy. Roberto's a little bit better. <laughs> Roberto it was asked, why do you think you survived? And he said, because I was lucky. And because I always go step by step. I didn't look at the mountain. There was always something to do, and I am very active. I also wasn't seriously injured. I nearly gave up when the avalanche struck us. But then one of the other boys said, Roberto, how lucky you are that you can walk for all of us. That was like a heroic infusion into my heart. He had broken legs, but I could walk. My mission was not just to think about what is better for me, but what was better for the group. So, like, he fucking, both these two dudes fucking killed it, got all their friends rescued. I'm really proud of them, and I wish I would meet them, because they're still around, yeah. being dope. Yeah. And they did eat people, and I want to know what that tastes like, so, like. <laughs> I like how you, like, were on a high note. <laughs> We're going to end really tastefully. Oh, I can't. Shit. I can't end tastefully. I don't know how to do that, Emily. You were going to be classy about it. I was. And then we crashed and burned. And then I fucked it all up. Oh, yep. no. I, can you tell how bad I feel? I finished my wine. Yes, you did. <laughs> and now I'm going to do the same thing while yeah, you're talking. Because I did a lot of talking yeah, just yeah. there. I apologize for how long that was. There was just a lot of, like, juicy-ass info. Oh, yeah. No, and this is... This is just, it is what it is. It's gonna, it's all gonna, it's all gonna happen. Yeah. I'm proud of us. I'm also very afraid. <laughs> I super don't want to hear about this. <laughs> okay, can I ask a quick question? Do, have you, was there a movie with Chris Hemsworth made about this? Yes. Okay, I just thought about that. And I was like, I haven't seen the movie, but I remember the trailer. Yes. Oh, God. That movie was a thing. They tried to depict this story. Mm-hmm. As classily as they could. Ron Howard directed it. Oh, hello, Ron Howard. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth in, in it, so I imagine, like, he's hot for, like, a good chunk of it. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Hemsworth plays Owen Chase, mm. which you'll hear that name a lot. Oh, great. So I'll get to discover whether he remains hot through the story or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Let's talk about whales. Oh, yes, please. Whales are awesome. I mean, yeah. And also incredibly terrifying. Also, I believe that a hundo percent. I spent a long time being very afraid of whales. Is it because they're, they're so like, big? Yeah. Because there's just like, it's really hard to wrap your brain around the idea of like a 60 plus foot long creature. Yeah. Just, like, bopping along in the ocean. I mean, they're like dinosaurs, but they're in the sea. Yeah. And are around us all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I had that thought when I was, like, swimming in the ocean and I couldn't see the bottom. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. is there a whale down there? <laughs> I like how not shark. Not shark. No, because I did see a shark. So I knew they like, were there. So there's definitely a shark, there's but what about definitely whales? definitely at least one shark. What about all them whales, though? <laughs> that I don't want to see. I'd Can't be way more thanks. afraid of the shark you definitely saw. <laughs> it, ha it has razor sharp teeth. Whales eat krill and shit. <laughs> Not necessarily. Uh-oh. <laughs> all right. So let's get started. November 20th, 1820. Okay. The ship is called the Essex. It's a whaling ship out of Nantucket. Hmm. It was hit by a sperm whale, a male sperm whale, which are called <laughs> bulls. <laughs> of course they are. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. It's funny to me the idea that there are female sperm whale. Why aren't they called egg whales or something? The door is literally right there. <laughs> this is my house. Anyway. <laughs> so they were out whale hunting and they were near the Pacific Equator, mm-hmm. which was about 2,000 miles from South America. Okay. So, and they were out in the ocean. And they, this was a whaling ship, again, <laughs> and they were all assholes for whaling. I wrote that. <laughs> and they were all assholes. <laughs> and I justified, bad. I'm like, but I get it. It was a different time. Karma is a bitch, though. Mm. And their tactics... We're pretty much setting themselves up for some hella serious failure. Oh, good. So there was 20 people on the ship. And they had to watch as this male whale. And then I wrote in parentheses, haha, male whale. I get why they call it a bull whale now. <laughs> <laughs> because saying male whale is hilarious yes. and nobody can keep the straight face yeah. in the scientific community. <laughs> but as this bull whale wrecked their shit. Oh no. So, spoiler alert, I did find in the reports that the whale that hit them survived. Oh. So, that's good. Good for the whale. Good for the whale. And it was at least 85 feet long. What the fuck? Uh-huh. Does it say how long the ship is? Because I... Yes, I'm getting there. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> All right. So, let's talk about Moby Dick before I dive into the story. Sure. So, Herman Melville, author of Moby Dick... Right. ...did go on his own whaling adventures in the 1840s. Oh. For what I can only assume was research purposes, or, like, I mean, it was a good way to get money, but only if you, like, owned the ships. Oh, and sure. It was also really dangerous, because whales. It's like crabbing now, but, like, way more intense. Yeah. Because <laughs> crabs don't get to be 100 feet long. Right. I don't want to see that. Um, We don't know that, Fosho. I don't want to see it. I'm just saying deep sea crabs, you don't know. Do I'm crabs also... keep growing forever like lobsters do? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to know. I'm, I'm terrified there are, now. There are some things I just really don't want to know. I have made myself super afraid. Good. I apologize. Good. That's <laughs> karma. Damn it. <laughs> so he released Moby Dick in 1851. And again, it had 135 chapters. And I that's... did look that up because I was like, that's a whole lot of chapters. Herman, that is too many of those. That is so many chapters. Herman. What the fuck? <laughs> Pequod was obviously modeled after Captain George Pollard, who captained the Essex. Oh. Oh, no. Sorry. Back up. So, the ship in Moby Dick Mm -hmm. is called Pequod. Okay. And then Captain Ahab was modeled after Captain Pollard. Okay. Captain George Pollard. George. Of the Essex. Hello. Can I talk like this now? No. The entire time? Nope. Hello, George. Nope. Polly? No. (laughs) (laughs) So the Essex was an 87-foot, 238-ton whale ship. Oh, my God. So it was just a smidge bigger than the whale that took it down. Two feet? Like two feet. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a (laughs) fuck? No. I'm sorry. So, again, it set out from Nantucket. (laughs) There once was a ship from Nantucket. (laughs) 
and it really fucked up. <laughs> God damn it, you were so close to doing the actual thing. <laughs> I know. I thought about it. <laughs> but to torture me. they left on August 12th, 1819. So again, this went down November 20th, 1820. So a mm. lot of times they would set out to go whaling for like five fucking years. Oh, man. Yeah. Like the worst kind of Star Trek mission. Yeah. Of all fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> so again, the captain was George Pollard. And then his first mate was Owen Chase, who, as I'm telling you this, you can picture I'm, as Chris Hemsworth. I am. Okay. I am definitely do the nod already. Yep. Fun fact. <laughs> Owen Chase in Moby Dick was named Starbuck, which is where the name Starbucks comes from for the coffee chain. Is that also where they get the name in Battlestar Galactica? Probably. Legit. For first mate. Yeah. It makes sense. That does. It does. I like it. So, okay. Back to the Essex. So, let's... Okay, hold on. No, my wording on this was really weird. I said, let's jump back forward in time. Back to the future. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Let's just skip ahead. Like, one, two, skip a few. (laughs) To November 20th. So they saw a pod of whales. They got excited. Mm-hmm. And then they got their shit wrecked. Great. So. Did it happen that fast? Pretty, pretty close. Well, fuck. Pretty close. Because <laughs> they like, they saw the pod of whales. And way, way back in the 1820s, sperm whales could get up to 100 feet long. Oh, my God. They can't anymore. Really? Because they got overhunted so now because of the genetics of overhunting and Mm. mating with smaller whales they only max out at about 65 feet oh so like this whale is like way bigger than any we would see now right oh god like add 20 feet yeah holy no i refuse that you see (laughs) you can't make Um, me hunting also did reduce the number of sperm whales in the world, from 1.6 million to fewer than 360,000. Yo. Yeah. God so, damn. Yeah. They they did a lot. And I'm going to talk about why in just a moment. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, sperm whales have 42 teeth on its lower jaw. Really? Just 42? Yeah. So, they're like one of the few whales that actually have teeth. Yeah. I think they're like the only whale that has teeth. Fuck. Here's my fun fact. The sperm whale is the only <laughs> whale that can actually swallow a human being. What the fuck, Emily? <laughs> <laughs> Although, they don't do it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, no, they open their gaping maw, and it just happens yeah. that there's a person Listen, there sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> With whaling, when they hit a boat, and then they accidentally swallow a person? I don't know. Shit can go wrong. I'm going to have to talk to you after this podcast about the definition of a fun fact. Okay. That's fine. So, for a gross fact. Oh, good. Oh, thank you. I have one more after this. Oh, no. Gross fact. When a human is swallowed by a sperm whale, if they promptly then, like, kill the whale and then cut the body out of the stomach of the whale. for sure. I'm sure that's a real thing. It did happen. Things, no, this is, yes. Fuck me. (laughs) Um, when a human is in the whale of stomach, the acid in the stomach bleaches a human white. Whoa. Yeah. It's that powerful. 
even just like because you'd imagine it'd break down the human eventually but like just a what a splishy splash yeah and you're bleached white bleached white oh my god yeah all right so that was my gross fact sad fact oh god what the fuck (laughs) so angry yeah okay (laughs) so sperm whales are very social sentient and are very good communicators I mean, they possess the largest brain in nature and tend to be very placid and timid hmm. until someone goes after it with a harpoon. Well, yeah. Ouchies. So, yeah, they're like super chill, giant creatures of the sea. I immediately love them. Yeah. Okay, so let's get back on track here. Oh, fuck. I'm done with my fun, sad, gross facts. Are we back from the future? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... They had set out when they saw this pod of whales on smaller whaling boats mm-hmm. that were attached to, as they call it, the mothership. Wow, this is very Star Trekian, and I'm I'm a little... a little concerned about the writers of Star Trek. Did you guys follow whaling? Is this is this how this works? Yeah, Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica yeah. were both like, "Hey, Moby Dick is our number one source." Hey, cool, thanks. <laughs> it's a classic. It works for real. So Owen Chase was going after one of the whales and he harpooned it and it hit the side of the boat with its tail because they did this thing called fuck I turned the page there it is the Nantucket sleigh ride <laughs> it sounds like a beat. sexy thing it's not <laughs> it is it's not um it's where they'd harpoon a whale and then they'd let the whale pull them Oh, so, no. yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. You with me now? That sounds dangerous as fuck. Yeah, this is one of the reasons why a lot of people die. <laughs> I bet they can go real fast. They can go, yeah, and real wrong. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Especially considering its tail is usually the size of a house. <laughs> so. <laughs> the boat he was in. This is the worst idea any human <laughs> has ever had. There were no women on board this. No, this Zero. was all men. This was all God. Men. <laughs> 100% all men. <laughs> so the boat he was in got hit on the side by the whale tail. I can't say that phrase. Again. Male whale tail. <laughs> oh, God. The tail of the male whale. The tail, the tail of the male whale. Um, so this is a quote from Owen Chase. Because he wrote, like, his memoirs. So I have a lot of quotes from him. Legit. So picture good old Chris saying this. I am. not doing the accent. I can't. I don't know an Nantucket accent, and I can't do Australian. Also, I do understand that you're telling our listeners to picture Chris Hemsworth, but I want you to know that I am already doing that (laughs) every second of this story. Okay, good. Thank you. So Owen Chase said, Feeling the harpoon in him, he threw himself in agony over towards the boat and, giving a severe blow with his tail, struck the boat. Get away with words. Yeah. Yeah. So he had to take an axe and cut the line that, like, God. Yeah. I can only imagine how thick that line is. Yeah. So he had to cut the line to let that whale go. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if he hadn't, it would have taken that ship down with him. I believe that. Yeah. So, Captain Pollard was in another ship and saw a giant whale heading for the mothership. Quote, as if fired with revenge. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, this is another quote from Chase. 
Um, Chase watched horrified as the whale, quote, came down upon us at full speed and struck the ship with his head, just forward of the forechains. He gave us such an appalling and tremendous jar as nearly threw us all on our faces. The ship brought up as suddenly and violently as if she had struck a rock and trembled for a few seconds like a leaf. So the whale then did a second blow. So it did one. Fucked some shit up. And it was like, this isn't good enough. So it did it again. Slap. And (laughs) hit the ship hard enough (laughs) that the whale like dazed itself. Oh, God. So it apparently like kind of like hung out on its side for a little bit. (laughs) You like got it shit together. It was a tie tie baby. (laughs) Yeah. So another quote from Chase. It started off with great velocity coming down apparently with twice his ordinary speed and with tenfold fury and vengeance in his aspect. Oh, in, mm. the, in his aspect. In his aspect. About his countenance. <laughs> its jaws were snapping together and the surf flew as it thrashed the water with its tail. Oh, so terrifying. So Philip Hoare? H-O-A-R-E. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, so Hoare. Hey, I don't know. What's up, Philip? Hoare? Is the author of Leviathan and the Sea Inside. Woof. Yeah. And he is something of a whale expert. He spent a lot of time researching them. Quote from (laughs) Philip. I've seen sperm whales snap their jaws this way. It's usually a sign of stress. I've also been warned off from getting too close to the thundering slap of their muscular tails, usually because they were protecting a young calf. Hmm. Indeed. Contemporary whale scientist Professor Hal Whitehead has speculated that the whale that had attacked the Essex was defending its own young. It was a characteristic, cruel tactic of whalers to harpoon calves in order to bring the more valuable adults within range. Oh, shit. Having said this, there are a few incidents of sperm whales attacking ships. One of the only other recorded incidents was the one on the whale ship Anne Alexander in 1851. 31 years after the attack on the Essex. Whoa. So, yeah, that's gross. Holy shit. I that's mean, real gross. That sucks. Yeah. They're oh, assholes. Tiny babies. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, not tiny, but babies. House babies. <laughs> House-sized babies. <laughs> <laughs> so, the captain made it back onto a ship. I mean, Before good, the whale hit it again. So, uh-huh. like, he made it on in between. And he cried out, my God, Mr. Chase, what is the matter? My God. (laughs) And then Chase responded, we have been stove by a whale. Stove? Stove. S-T-O-V-E. Stove. We have been stove by a whale. What is the, what is that the past tense for? (laughs) Stive? I guess. Stiv? Stive? 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 We have to What the fuck is it? No, that is a noun, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) You don't just get to say things. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. So. What the fuck? The 20 people that were on board quickly were like, eh, fuck this. (laughs) And the ones that were still on the mothership went out to the three remaining whale boats they had intact. Oh, God. And they, they took what they could before the ship sank. That captain did not go down with his ship. Ooh. Hashtag rude. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Don't you listen to Dido? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. 
So they managed to grab six pounds of hard bread, three casks of water, a musket, powder, tools, a few turtles. What? Yeah. They just have turtles? They just have turtles. Just have turtles they lying around? They just have turtles. Okay. Um, Chase also did manage to salvage his sea chest. He had a sea chest. In which he kept paper and pencil. So that he could record their audio. Hmm. So, like, I, am, I have to imagine that a sea chest keeps things from getting wet. Yeah. It's a waterproof thing that you yeah, can keep paper in. Yeah, there's a picture of his chest. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, there is. No, okay. It's Chris Not, Hemsworth. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they also managed to save navigational materials. Mm. But that was not a good call. Uh-oh. Because it didn't actually help them at all. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, they, they were looking at the maps and they found a nearby island, but they'd heard that the tribes on that island were cannibals, and they decided to try for Chile. Um, but that that's sounds racist hella, as fuck. It's hella ironic considering what they have to do yes they could have gone to the marquesas islands but they were like but nope. they were like nope we're gonna go and try and sail for like <laughs> three thousand miles those guys eat people we'll avoid them it's fine we have 60 days worth of food we would never do that because <laughs> chase did calculate it that the food that they had would last them 60 days he sounds like a smart guy Yes. One problem. The bread got wet. Oh, no. seawater. Well, yeah. So it got real salty. Real fast. Gross. When it dried. And it was inedible. So that cut their food a whole bunch. Oh, no. So at night, the boats would also drift apart because they'd made a sail but it's not like a full ship where you can control and you have paddles and things. You, They're just taking no. wherever yeah. the wind and the current goes. So at night, the boats would drift apart, so they would be signaling each other with lanterns. And then on December 20th, a month after they had originally lost their ship, mm-hmm. they found land, which is, quote, a blessed vision like a basking paradise before our longing eyes. Oh. Can you guess who said that? I think it was our our hot man. Yeah. Our chase. Yeah. So they landed on Henderson Island. Uh, But it it didn't, it wasn't, this is not the end. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to guess that some fucking white people named it Henderson Island? There is no fucking way that's its actual original name. Any who's it. (laughs) So they got to the island. There wasn't really any fresh water. Mm-hmm. They killed all the birds they could find. They just, like, they killed all the birds. You know, it's just what happens when you're out at sea. Yeah. Birds die. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. So, December 26th, so they're on this island for six days before a whole bunch of people, specifically 17 people, are like, fuck it. We're gonna go try and sail to South America. We're not staying on this island. But three Ooh. guys decided to stay behind on this island. I have to know what happens to them. You do. Yes! So, everybody else goes off. They get burnt by the sun. Oh, no. They're being circled by sharks at night. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, they, like, they're like they near death. Yeah, I'm sure the sharks can sense. They only have three days of food left, 
So there's extreme hunger because they were they were sparing that food. Yeah. Um. So they were hitting the point where they were losing their ability to talk and to reason Ooh. because of how hungry they were. And the sun just constantly yeah. beating down. So they hit the point where they kind of made a decision to do the thing. Yeah. And by thing, I mean cannibalism. Eat a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> this Look. is a quote from Chase. The black man, Richard Patterson, was perfectly ready to die. Oh my god, what does that fucking mean? Gross. He he did so of his own accord, per the quote. He just passed away. He just passed away. He sure. died. Sure. And six of the Essex's crew, Essex, I don't like, I don't like Ex- the plural. Essex's? Es- oh, God. Essex, yeah. Yeah, that's hard. Six of the crew of the Essex. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> were African American. None of them survived. I'm. They killed the black people first. I was just going to say, like, it's 1820. They, there's no fucking way they 1821 died. by this point. There's no way they died of their own accord. Blah. Not all of them. So, Richard Patterson, the first to die, they threw his body overboard and then immediately regretted it. I bet. Because they're like, hold on. Hold up a sec. So, the next man, Isaac Cole, succumbed to madness and death. And he died, and this is a quote, in the most horrible and frightful convulsions I have ever witnessed. So, he died convulsing and probably screaming. Ugh. And then they kind of just decided they were going to eat him. I mean, So they dismembered him, and they cut all the flesh off of his bones. And then there's a quote that they opened his trunk and took out his heart. His trunk. His trunk. You know, the middle part. Yeah. Um, yeah, here you go. Here, here's a quote. <clears throat> no. <laughs> <clears throat> we now commence to satisfy the immediate cravings of nature from the heart, which we eagerly devoured. And then ate sparingly of a few pieces of the flesh. They ate his heart first. Yeah. And happily. Uh-huh. That's Can you fu- guess who wrote that? Our, our, our beautiful, <laughs> handsome Chase. Yeah. You still yeah. like him? Nope. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whoops-a-daisy. I mean, look. Uh-huh. Only because I'm pretty sure people died on purpose and they were probably it's black coming. people. It's yeah. Coming. Okay. I can feel it in my heart so, and I don't like it. Yeah. The rest they they cut into strips and they hung it up to dry for later. I mean look, that's not dumb. <laughs> they did manage to make a fire. On a boat? Yeah. They Oof. got a rock on the bottom of the boat and they made a little fire on it so they could cook wow. their victims' organs. Oh, I mean, yeah, you'll eat the heart raw, but no, liver, I really just, I like Mm -hmm. a good sear on it. Yeah. Gross. So Chase and everyone else who was still alive were just going to town. Just munching. Eating people. (laughs) So they, the quote, they, they phrase it as their boat had become a charnel house. Which is, I looked it up, is oh, sure. a building or a vault in which corpses or bones are piled. Oh, well, he's not wrong. Quote, 
We knew not then to whose lot it would fall next, either to die or be shot and eaten like the poor wretch we had just dispatched. Uh-huh. At this mm-hmm. point, they're all looking at each other. Yeah. Like, You're next, bitch. <laughs> yeah. So that smart, smart brain, Chase figured out that three men could live for seven days off of one human corpse. God, what a fucked up way for your brain to be working on math. Yeah. (laughs) So the boats had become separated at this point. So, like, they're all gone. Wow, so it's just this one boat. How many people are aboard the boat? I'm a little confused on, like, who's left. Yeah, so... I think this has some breakdowns. So... The three boats got separated. Mm-hmm. One drifted off, and they never found them. Ooh. In captor, in captor, in Captain Pollard's boat, three men died. They were all eaten, and they were all black. What a fucking shock! Yeah. After this, then the white men began basically drawing straws, Ugh. and Pollard had to watch his own nephew. Owen Coffin, draw the black dot. Woof. And he bowed to his fate. He laid down his head on the gunwale, was shot, and consumed. His name was Coffin? Yeah. So I do just want to say that, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, obviously. Yeah. So. (laughs) Jesus Christ. They stayed alive because of cannibalism. I mean, yeah. On February 18th, after almost three months at sea, Chase's boat saw a sail of another, of a London brig, which Mm. a brig is a sailing vessel with two square rigged masts. And during the age of sail... Brigs were seen as fast and maneuverable and were used as both naval warships and merchant vessels. And this ship Whoa. was called the Indian. I mean, racist, but cool. <laughs> 1820s. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Their rescuers were very surprised at what they found in that boat. I mean. Uh, I bet. Mostly bones. <laughs> Chase's quote on this. Uh. Our cadaverous countenances. With the ragged remains of clothes stuck about our sunburnt bodies, must have produced an appearance affecting and revolting in the highest degree. I mean, probably. I can yeah. just imagine, like, I'm thinking, like, sun blistered. Yeah. Like, just disgusting. Yeah. So, Owen was in one boat, Captain Pollard was in another boat, and five days later, Captain Pollard's boat was found, and there was one survivor left with him named Charles Ramsdale. They were rescued by the Nantucket whale ship, the Dauphin. And it was claimed that they were, quote, found sucking the bones of their dead messmates, which they were loath to part with. Oh, God. So I would just like to point out (laughs) two separate boats opted for cannibalism. Turned to the same means. And two separate boats. Here's my thing. It makes sense. It's the only option for both boats. 
Yeah. Neither of them can see each other. They don't know what the fuck's going on. All they have are the people around them. The other thing, though, is that they both had black people on board. Who died first. Who died first. And, like, you know those fucking assholes were like, why not? We weren't people yet. Right. That comes later. Like, literally. Yes. Yeah. Like, we that's weren't even horrendous. a full person yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I know. Believe me. I know. I mean, I know you know. (laughs) I'm just so angry. (laughs) So, Pollard and Charles Ramsdale were taken back to Valparaiso, Mm -hmm. um, where then they sent a ship to save the three men that stayed behind on Henderson Island. Yes. So, they rescued (sighs) the three dudes that were still alive Mm -hmm. on Henderson Island. Oh, wow. Yeah. They managed to survive on the scant water they'd found. They went fishing, and there were a few more birds that they hadn't killed yet. Dang. So they took care of that. Look, I get that, like, they probably wouldn't have been found if the other people hadn't have gone. Yeah. No, they wouldn't have been found. No, that's but, just, like, no. that's the way to go, though. That's Stay on what the I would have done. I'd have uh-huh. stayed on the island, like, oh, Bye-bye. fuck all y'all. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will make my own home here. <laughs> right. I live here now. God damn a, it. <laughs> I made a house <laughs> and they didn't resort to cannibalism. Yeah, I mean, they might have it eventually, but like, but they didn't. It's have an to island; yet. like birds come and go yeah. and shit. You know, yeah. you can fish. Yep, there's a whole ocean in front of you. Way better than a boat. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So, guess how many total survived? So that's you said there were two like... off of Pollard's boat. That's three off of the island. I want it... you to take a guess how many were on Chase's boat. I'm gonna survived. guess. I'm gonna guess there were two people on Chase's boat. Three. Three. Fuck. So eight people survived out of the twenty that they started with. Dang. They Jesus. All, yeah, they all managed to go back to sea because money, probably. Whoa. They all went back to sea, but Pollard captained another ship, and it sank. So he was in a shipwreck twice. Good. And he never took command of another ship. Good. He's a shit captain. Because nobody would give him a ship. Yeah. Because they're like, you are bad luck, son. Like, my dude, you ate some motherfuckers. Then we gave you another chance and you fucked it up. Yeah. He's probably out there doing that fucking... Nantucket sleigh ride, which I'm sorry. Oh, God, it's so gross. It's so dirty. It's so gross. (laughs) I'm so unhappy that I found that phrase. I can't believe that's a thing. It is. There's no way that's not also a sexual position that we are unaware of currently. Mm. (laughs) But anywho, I'm fully aware. We, We as a nation and as a world, we're not really aware of PTSD as a thing until like World War One, maybe. Like for mm. Sherzies. Yeah, but then they were calling it Shell Shock. Shell shock. Right. So but even like, then it still wasn't like there. It had to, I mean it existed. Yeah. Did none of these people go I will never look at water again? No. What the fuck? Yeah. Holy so, shit. He became a night watchman in Nantucket. I'm sorry, Chase? No. Oh. The Pollard. Pollard? The captain. Oh, because he couldn't watchman. go to sea anymore. Well, so fuck he became him. a night watchman. Wandering around the island. Being real haunted. Good. He's probably still there. So, <laughs> yeah, probably. Honestly, He's if dumb. I ever go to a Nantucket, 
he is the man from Nantucket. Yeah. Oh my God, he is. <laughs> so a writer found him and asked him about his experiences. And Pollard replied, quote, I can tell you no more. My head is on fire at the recollection. They then asked him if he'd known Owen Coffin. Pollard answered, quote, know him. Why I ate him. Oh, my God. End quote. So Chase was very guilt-ridden by his experience. Poor Owen. Oh, but um, He had his story ghost-written and then published trying to maybe capitalize on it or just try and get the record straight because when people find out you ate other people, like, it can escalate pretty quickly. Yeah. Especially when there is no TV. I mean, it's the most scandalous thing those people have ever heard of. There was also a 14-year-old cabin boy who survived. He was one of the survivors. And he produced his own account stating that he had not eaten someone named Cole. Hmm. Which... Everyone thinks that might be, like, his trying to deny his part of the ordeal. So he just was like, I never ate anybody. he was on one of the boats, so... Okay. He was on Owen's boat, it sounds like. There's no way you live without doing that. There's yeah. no way. They were, yeah. they were out there for so long. Yeah. So, Owen Chase, as he got older, he started hoarding food in his attic. Oh my god. Yeah. Owen? Yeah. Yeah. So, he got really bad headaches and eventually was declared insane. He has PTSD. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was so scared of starving. Oh, Again, my that he God. hoarded food and I... then was declared insane and died in 1869. Holy shit. Yeah. Nice, first of all. Um, but... You said 69. I'm so oh sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> it's almost like a knee-jerk reaction at this point. Oh, you've been hanging out with cat too long. Um, I think we've made each other worse and also a couple other people we know who are very uh, irreputable me. folk. <laughs> I mean, I, it's interesting to me that instead of being terrified of the water, he decided, like, it was really starvation. the starvation. Like, that yeah. was way worse yeah. than the idea of being surrounded on all sides by... No. ocean again yeah which is insane to me yeah so today and this is a quote from an article i found mm. nantucket the island of nantucket is a quiet reserved place known only for its boner jokes <laughs> <laughs> the whalers have long since left its cobbled streets though the mansions that the ship owners built from their bloody profits still stand their blank, silent windows look out to the sea, testament to the extraordinary horrors that those men of the Essex suffered out on the infinite deep. End Dang. quote. End quote. Dang, double daddy. Dang, double daddy. <laughs> so that is the story of where Moby Dick came from. Wow. Holy shit. Way more fucked up than Moby Dick. It sounds way more fucked up than Moby Dick probably is. Cause Although like, damn. I am disappointed nobody got their leg bitten off by a whale. 
And that is dumb. Because that is how Captain Ahab lost his oh, leg. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, through osmosis, so, I, I understand some of that story. I remember that. That's too bad. Yeah. They would have eaten that motherfucker if that had happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I'm thoroughly traumatized. Uh, me too. I cannot believe we just both put cannibalism into this story twice. Like, I, I love the idea that we both had this weird, fucked up thing. And they're, like, almost opposite stories. You're both, they're both stranded. Yeah. Like, but they could not be more different climates. Seriously. And and it, <laughs> and still the same thing is resorted to. Like, yeah. you have one option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I also like the idea of, like, in one story, everybody's friends. And so it's, like, a big fucking deal to decide to eat each other. And in another story, everyone's like, no, fuck you. You drew the short straw. I'm going to shoot you in the head and I'm going to eat they you. They did it classily, though, at least. Sure. I mean, it could have been worse, for it sure. It could have. It absolutely could have. I, I just, yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe we managed to have such weird parallel stories that have such weird differences. I hate it. I hate it so much. Thoroughly traumatized. Can we promise ourselves and our listeners that we'll go a long time without talking about cannibalism? I don't know if we can. I'm going to, I want to try. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to try. Yes. Because when was the last time we talked about cannibalism? I actually don't know if we've done it yet. I don't think we've done this been full a lot story. Of, yeah. We've talked about Hannibal. Yes. But not like a full on cannibal. I actually. Um, Although I did find. Oh, okay. I can't make that promise because I found a serial killer that involves cannibalism. Oh, and it's not our, our Dahmer boy? No. Whoops. It's not. Oh, dang. Yeah. He's from Scotland. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Um, okay, we can't make that promise. However, we promised not to do it It's soon. not going to be next. Yeah. It's not going to be next. We'll give it a couple. It was going to be next, but it's not going to be next now. Okay, yeah. I'm good changing call. that. Good call. It's going to be um, like at least three episodes from here. Right. Um, in the future, we are hoping to do some more true crime. Um, yeah, and we have, some, we have some big plans as far as what we want to cover, but... Uh, like big. Like big. Big, big. Like us reading a book big. Like two-part big. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, my God. I, I, I want that so bad. Yeah. How do we I do mean, it? if I have to read a book for You're this. Right. You're right. I'm getting two parts. We'll figure out how we want to do that, because that'd be kind of yeah. fun, actually. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. Thank you, guys, so much Thanks. for joining us for another episode. Sorry about the trauma. Super duper sorry about all the nasty ass shit. <laughs> We're going to go on drinking our wine now, our 19 mm-hmm. crimes. And um, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This has been a Daily Gravy production. Thanks for listening.